Welcome, everybody, to Sharpen That Axe, a podcast dedicated to strengthening your skills as a guitar player. Here, calling from you, calling to you from the uh, beautiful grey North Vietnam city of Hanoi. <laughs> I don't know where the sentence is going. Uh, I'm Dylan Murphy, and joined with me, as always, is uh, my buddy, Baseball John Gillen. Am I the sidekick? I think we take turns at being the sidekick. Okay, so I'm not Robin in this scenario? uh no you'd be like catwoman so um <laughs> i do look really good in leather i will say there, there you go this is veering dangerously <laughs> off track uh welcome everybody we are on episode john what episode are we on uh 30 33 33 holy hell 33 good god uh time just flies um and john just informed me that we are on about 2800 lessons yeah, exactly. We've got a whole bunch of new likes. So thank you to everybody out there that has been liking and sharing and subscribing and all the other things you're supposed to do with social media and podcasts and reviews. We've got a bunch of new reviews out. So thank you everyone for the kind words and the support it really means a lot. We love what we're doing. We love the fact that you guys are out there listening to us talk about guitar and we want to hear from you guys more about what you want to hear us talk about. So anyway, John, you, you just it. said everything I wanted to. Thank you. Yay! I just sit here I'm and drink tea. I'm, I read your mind like a like a book that's easy to read. Like a really like a simple children's book. <laughs> yes. There but not, like not a lot going on, but it's pretty colorful. Yeah, there you go. Good. Picture. So, John, it's my turn for lick of the week, mm. and so this I, I won't say much about this, like, but if you don't know it, you, you really should know it. But oh, no. I remember oh, no, the first time I embarrassing, isn't it? Oh, it's, no, 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 it's not going to be embarrassing. It's just, I remember the first time I heard it, uh, I just, I didn't know that that kind of thing could be done in the world of blues guitar. So uh -oh. okay. I want you to have a listen. It's, it's not going to be Joe Bonamassa, is it? Oh, <laughs> the B word. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay, all right, here we go. Having a listen. Okay, yeah, of course. Actually, uh, yeah, you're right. If you don't know it, you should. It is Scuttle Button from the Couldn't Stand the Weather album, uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan. So. Snaps. Bonus Woo! points for the naming the album. Very, very, very good. For, for uh, the win. To be fair, neither one of us usually get person, song, and album. So that's that's yeah. that's true, especially with your you know constant Steve Vai's million albums. <laughs> I, um, I think I've done one Steve Vai lick. There you go. It's, it it yeah. feels like a million, to be honest with you. So, John Scuttlebutton, your thoughts? What do you think about it as a piece, as a riff? It's a riff, essentially. Yeah, it really is. I mean, like for me, I remember when I first heard that. Um, in fact, I bought Couldn't Stand the Weather used at a used CD store or something like that <coughs> back when that was a thing because I'm so old. Anyway, I remember buying that CD and just just on the recommendation of the store guy, I was like, hey, if you like guitar, you should listen to this guy. And it was like, yeah, okay, sure. And I remember that was like the only song I listened to for about a week. Because <laughs> it was just like, how does that... That's a, th what, 
how do you even like do that? The, your fingers are so fast. And I mean, today I can just imagine if, if that would have been the case, I would have been all over YouTube just trying to find videos of him playing this. I, I love it. I've, I've always loved it. Um, yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. Well, well said. I was expecting you to like, you know, be handed the secondhand CD and then go, thanks, mister. And then look up and the record store clerk is gone. Oh. <laughs> it's a ghost the whole time. Uh, it wasn't, so, it yes, wasn't I, even a record store. It was, it was just, yeah, I, I found myself in an alley somewhere. That's just, uh, just some kind of alley ghost. Brilliant. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love what it does with the, you know, it's a 12-bar blues structure, but, you know, it works really well over the fourth chord when he goes to the fourth chord and the fifth mm -hmm. chord. It's just, it's, it's so nice and self-contained, but also so difficult. I remember when I first heard it and I, I asked a guitar teacher, I was like, I want to learn this. And he just kind of looked at me and went, oh boy. And then he showed it to me written down, uh, you know, with the yeah. divisions of triplets and everything. I was like, oh my God. Like, I could play it so slowly and just getting it up to speed. And there's such a sense of, attack in his playing right you know it just does one thing really really well and it's just pure energy in a blues like which i love yeah and i mean again speaking of attack you know that that's one of the things one of the reasons why he had those massive strings on there it just so he could do that and just really dig into it but it's effortless too yeah um, and that was kind of one of the things like jim little was saying we interviewed jim little today um, surprise surprise and so spoiler alert for i don't know a few weeks from now and that was one of the things he said about country playing and i think it goes without saying blues is frequently the same way it's just when it gives you the freedom to really dig into the instrument and pull it out because his left hand is just effortless when he's playing that run and transitioning from that run to the chords smoothly and in time is actually one of the hardest parts of that riff like i think i think being able to play fast that's that's one part, but then being able to just get around the, the fretboard easily, getting to the chords and making sure that the rhythm stuff is on time is what makes it more difficult. Absolutely. It's, a, it's like a massive middle finger to everyone who says that the blues is, is easy. So. <laughs> right. Wasn't so, you said blues is the spam of music? Uh, I, I might have said that at some point. Yeah, uh, I, say I, of, I say a lot of I say a lot of stupid shit, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so moving on. So our pedal talk, we were we were unsure about what to do for a pedal talk this week, and then I was watching videos of our, you know, in preparation for our uh, musical guest that we had this morning. Will be on episode. I want to say like thirty-seven, thirty-eight. Jim yeah. Little, and he did a he did a video called "The Coolest Pedal You've Never Heard Of." And as soon as I saw it, he was right. I looked up how much it was, and then I sent it to you. And I was like, John, you have to see this pedal. Uh, so what we're talking about is the Keeley Tone Workstation. I think it's a fitting choice because we talked about Robert Keeley and his pedal line yeah. not too long ago. And yeah, so John, what is the Keeley Tone Workstation? Uh, I think actually I'm going to pass that over to you since you're the one that handed it off to me. So happily, John, I will happily take it. Yeah, so exactly. Keeley Tone Workstation is, I hear the word workstation and I think of like a massive multi-effects unit with, you know, way too many knobs. And though this, you know... It has a fair does, bit of knobs and switches. It, yes, but it's much more easy to understand because what it is, is it's three pedals in one. It is a compressor, it is a boost pedal, and it is a drive. 
But the most interesting thing is what these pedals are modeled on. So basically it's a Keeley compressor, which is really famous anyway. Right. Uh, a massive part of country music. In his video, Jim Little goes through all the different players that use it. Right. Uh, then you get, you know, you get an overdrive sound from the boost, from the, the boost, you get kind of like a blues breaker sort of sound. And then, you know, for the last pedal, it's essentially his modded TS9. Right. The right. red dirt. Yeah. It, which is just a, a beautiful pedal. And it's all, you can buy them all together in one package with all the knobs and adjustments for about, you can get it for $300. I think it's worth it at that price. I mean, Which when is you consider insane. I think the red dirt is it's like 150 and the four knob compressor is like 180, I think. Class. And yeah, I mean, right there it pays for itself because really you should have both of those pedals. <laughs> uh, I, I as I've said before, yeah. I love my four knob compressor, so and would recommend it to anybody. But yeah. Yeah, no, I, I what's what really like, you know, I'm intrigued by the, I don't know, the the minimalism of it all. Like it essentially is, you know, you can. It's just it's three pedals that you need essentially. Right. You know, there's no there's no expression pedal. There's no, you know, it doesn't get overly complicated. It's essentially the kind of pedal that you could, you know, the, if you had to take one pedal to a gig, you could just grab it and take it with you, and you could essentially play a whole gig with it. Maybe okay. throw on a bit of a delay pedal, and you'd be you'd be set. Yeah, that's that's actually a really great idea. Holy cow. Dang it, yeah. dude. You are selling me on this pedal right now. Like, I think it's just in terms of like cost and space and, you know, I suppose there's so many options with it as well. I, I just, I'm really, really sold on it. Uh, I think it will, you know, I know with every pedal we do, I say, okay, that's my next purchase. But this is not only encouraging me to buy it, but it's also encouraging me to get, you know, free up space on my board and maybe sell a few pedals. Well, what I think is interesting about it too is it, that second, the 62 Blues Breaker, it's, it, the, he calls it the Katana, but it functions essentially as a boost as well. So you can use your first one as, as that TS9, and then you've got the other one that can function as a boost as well. So you can run it like clean as a clean boost and then use your compression, and then it's just like, ah, man, holy cow. This is this is all I want for Christmas now. <laughs> like I, I felt like it was a pretty good one, and I was like, "Yeah, this is cool. We should definitely talk about it." And now you're just like, you've sold me on it more than Mister Little did. So I, I, I'm just, I'm just really taken with it. I've watched loads of demos online, and it just does. You know, I, I, I like to say it does one thing really well, but it does three things really well. It does. And well, the, I think that's the other thing. The drive, the the second stage, gives you so much more flexibility. You know, where it, it allows you basically to really amp up the gain, or it just functions as a clean boost. You know, I've yeah. said it already, but that, I think that's what makes it so great. And again, for three hundred quid, like, you know, it's it's a fantastic deal. So yeah, I'd buy that. So. Maybe in the future, if we find pedals that uh, tickle our fancy, we'll you know give them a bit of a spotlight like this. Uh, but I think you know this is yeah this has really stood out to me. Um, I think we were talking about next week maybe doing our top gear choices of 2017. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. So so this will be on my list for next week. We'll tell you more about that as the show progresses. So you'll have to listen to the whole episode. But anyway. 
There you go. Not just our witty banter at the start. <laughs> so, John, it's time for our main topic. Now, I would consider, for the longest time, I considered our topic, modes, it's probably going to be in the title, yeah. kind of a dirty word. Interesting. Okay. So, because I kept, when I looked up what it was, I encountered the same sort of lingo being used the whole time. It's mm. a scale, but it's not a scale, you know? It's, you know, I don't know. I, whenever I try to look for musical examples of it being used, it'd always be like, you know, Joe Satriani or Steve Vai, you know, they use the Lydian scale so well. I'm like, I don't really want to, to play like those guys. That's not really my bag. Right. But then when I heard it broken down musically, I was like, oh, this is actually really, you know, it adds a lot of color to, to, to your playing. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it definitely is worth checking out. And there's a bajillion videos on modes online. So we're going to try and just give you a bit of an introduction. So, John, you are classically trained. Uh, that is the rumor. That, 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 that's the word around the campfire. Yes. So could you give us a bit of an insight into what are the modes? So uh, from a historical perspective, because I could do that and be like super nerdy if we want to do that. So Maybe, maybe just a, a, a bit of a, not, let's not go full uh, <laughs> Greco-Roman. Well, no. So the, the modes that we have today are actually what are known as the church modes. But during the, uh, right around the turn of the century, into the 20th century, they decided to rename them because that sounded cooler. And so they used these old Greek names. Uh, but the Greek modes are entirely something different. Essentially what they are is if you take our major scale that starts on C, the Do, Re, Mi, Fa, Sol, La, Ti, Do, the, what happened is some monks basically figured out like, hey, it sounds cool if you start on Do or if you start on Mi or Re or Fa or whatever instead of, or instead of Do you start on one of the other notes and they figured out that that sounds different. So our scale, essentially if you take C, D, E, F, G, A, B, C and you start on D, Instead, what happens is then you end up with something that sounds, it's a minor mode on D. Um, and they, it was really common to have all these different modes played during that time period. And even up before, right up into Bach, these modes were really common and you'd come across them all the time. Now, what this means for us as guitar players is essentially if you take a C major scale, you know your C major scale, and you start on D instead. Just take your basic whatever whatever shape you're comfortable with and start on D. What that does is that creates a minor scale starting on D, and it's not the natural minor scale that you would be used to, but it, there's a slight variation. It contains all the same notes as a C major scale, but you start and end on D, and this is called Dorian. And then from that, you've got the next one, which if you start on E, you just play from E to E, that's your Phrygian scale. And then if no you. No sharps, no flats. Yeah, no sharps, no flats, which is another minor mode. And then from F, uh, F would be a major mode. It's what we call the Lydian mode. G is your Mixo Lydian mode, which starts on the fifth degree of the scale. Really common in jazz, really common in blues. Yeah. And after that, you have your Aeolian mode, which is our natural minor. So that's, in this case, it's going to be A minor. So if you have a little bit of theory background, you know that A minor and uh, C major have all the same notes and they're more or less interchangeable. Cool. So, and then after that, you have your Locrian mode, which is the one that everyone 
you know, your guitar teacher will first tell you like, this is the one that nobody uses. And then your 17 year old self says, well, I'm going to use it and I'm going to be really innovative. And then you realize like it doesn't really resolve well. And that's why pretty much nobody uses it. (laughs) So, so, um, but yeah, that's the low grand. Now that said, I'm sure, you know, someone's going to find me an example of some sort of speed metal bands that, you know, uses the low Korean mode on a particular song. Yeah, it exists. People do it. It's just not that common because it doesn't resolve well. And it ends up just sounding like you're stopping on the seventh note of a major scale just to be a dick and not fit. <laughs> so <laughs> that's, anyway, that's the basic like overview of what the modes are and, and kind of what they're called and where they come from. So cool. Whew, there you go. I hope. I well hope, done. All right. Succinct enough and fast enough. So I have, I have a couple of uh, questions just to, to back that up. Now, if you, like we said, if you want to know what the modes are used for, it's essentially kind of being able to compose or play music with, a, with more, I don't know, a more of a, a colorful range, uh, different notes than your standard pentatonic. Right. Um, and so essentially, let, let take, let's say you're, you're jamming out on a C chord. Yeah. Okay. So a C major chord essentially is one of three options for you, right? It's either the one chord of C, it's the four chord of G, or it's the five chord of F. What that means is you can play any one of those scales over that. You can play a C major scale over a C chord. And that is that first mode, that Ionian mode, or what we would just call a major scale. You could play an F major scale over that. So now what you're playing is the Mixolydian mode. In other words, you have a B flat in there. That flat seven is the same thing as an F major scale. You just start and end on C. So that's your Mixolydian mode. So essentially, as long as you're starting on the note or ending on it, you kind of have that resolve that keeps you within the key. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Um, So the last one, G, would be your... um, your Lydian mode, and that's that has that F sharp in it, in which, you know, your your C chord, you don't normally think of a C chord as having that F sharp in it. You know, if you think about your C suspended, where you might be just playing that bar chord and you're sneaking that pinky on there, that would be your F natural. You'd go up a half step to get that Lydian sound. Where that? Uh-huh. So I, I have two two questions now, two final questions. Right. Uh, the first one is: Is this a common thing that your uh, your students would ask to learn? It has been recently. So this is actually one of the reasons I brought it up because I just, I had this like uh, a whole bunch of students. In fact, I think I mentioned it a couple of weeks back. I, I had a rash of students come in. <laughs> it, was, it seriously happened in, in like the, in the span of about probably like six days um, from like a Wednesday to a Friday or something. And they were all like, what are the modes? And I went, Oh boy. So, essentially what we're doing here is barely scratching the surface. Like even in a half hour lesson, you can't really cover too much of one, what they are and two, especially to like how to use them. But basically what I just described is kind of, kind of the place to start is take that C major chord and play all the major scale options over it or something like that. So that's one way to practice it. And then the other thing I would say is just get used to, to what they sound like. that do the same thing for the minor modes, which would be that's your uh, your Dorian, your Phrygian, and your Aeolian modes, and just work on playing those over 
let's say like an A minor chord or a B or a D minor chord. And they work really well when you're just jamming out over a 12 bar blues progression. And it yeah. gives, it gives your, you're playing a little bit of color. You're adding something extra to what you're playing. And you do get a sense of kind of chasing the chords a little bit, which is fine. It's good practice. You should do it anyway. But really what you want to focus on are those color tones, those notes that are different. So when you're playing over that C major chord, for example, that B flat, that's not in a C major scale. Emphasize that B flat and see how it okay. Emphasize that F sharp and see how that sounds when you're playing in the Mixolydian mode. And just that really changes the vibe from just playing a major scale or even just a pentatonic scale. Yeah, I, I remember the first time I, I'd learned that I'd actually learned a modal passage without actually knowing it was when I was learning The Man Who Sold the World by, oh, yeah. you know, the, and then there's like the dun 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 that's sending around. It's essentially like you're going up, I don't know if it's diatonically, but you're going up note by note, but it's in the Mixolydian mode. Uh, and the re the way you know that the way your ear picks it up is because of the flat and seventh, yeah. Um, which I I thought was really cool. And my final question, because you've you've played a blinder at explaining this, uh, what's uh, what do you tell your students for practicing the modes? How to? Well, the first thing I would say is start with a major scale pattern that you know, and then just start by playing each different start by playing each different note. But the okay, big so thing start on a different note each time. Right, so take like, if you're playing a G major scale starting on the third fret on the sixth string, right? Okay. So that's what I read, because I use the cage system primarily for a lot of this. And so what I would say is that is essentially, that's, that's an E shape. So you'll play that E shape scale, which your finger pattern would be that two, four, one, two, four, one, three, four, one, three, four, two, four, one, two. Mm-hmm across all six strings. So, but then from there, go ahead and start on A and just play up to the next A and see what that sounds like. Then do B and see what the next B sounds like and really pay attention to those sounds. I, Phrygian is one of my favorites just because I love that sort of Middle Eastern style sound where you've got that flat two on there. And that's a really fun one to play around with. But now that's usually the first thing that I have students do and then just keep trying to do that up the fretboard. But the big thing is, if you already know your major scale shapes, you actually already know your modes. Okay, there you go. And that's, that's something that I think mo gets beyond most people. Because like I said, you're just starting on a different note. And so for example, like if you, you find yourself playing an A Dorian, well that's just G starting in a, on a different note. You know? Okay. And you'll find yourself walking through it and be like, oh yeah, I already know this scale. And I remember the first time I heard that, I remember, I think, I don't know what I was doing. I was, you know, playing in G, but playing in D, but somebody told me, oh, just play the, you know, the, the A scale over that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, playing a 12-bar blues. And that just the color of it, I was like, wow, this sounds so cool. Um, mind blown, you know. And then I just ignored it for a while, and now I'm getting back into it. And I find it's just, it's just, if you're sick of pentatonics, yeah just, it's it's such a it's such a great way of just expanding uh ways to do it and um, there's another way i've learned is basically like, taking the ionian scale which is the fifth and then just like changing a note each time to learn all the scale positions but apparently it's the most concise way but it's not exactly the easiest so i i, I do like the way that you just recommended there yeah it, because it, it at least gives you the opportunity to look at 
a scale shape you already know, and then you'll be able to identify throughout the fretboard, just, hey, okay, I already know this shape. So if I just work on, again, you know, use a looper pedal, play an A minor chord, and then play that A Dorian, which is the same thing as a G major, just start and end on A, and just get used to seeing that in every position of the fretboard. Anywhere that you can play a G major scale, start on the second note, and then now you're playing A Dorian and jam out on that just over your looped A minor chord. Sweet. Sounds like, yeah. There you go. Starting, I, people, you know, you should have paid for that. That was a free John lesson, <laughs> a free John Gillen lesson right there. Uh, so also, um, we're thinking of doing more approaches to theory like this. So if you guys liked that, this, please let us know. And we're also maybe thinking about sticking up a few personalized resources uh, online. If you yeah. dig. In cool. So, John, what have you Do been like, working on? What have you been working on? What have I been working on? Okay, well, this is actually because, to a certain extent, um, so, sort of your fault I've been working on this. But, um, yeah, you mentioned, uh, was it Music is Win? Is, is, was it that? That's the guy. Okay, so he did a quick video on something like six categories, I think, to, or is it eight categories? It's, I think it's, I think it's eight and you, it's basically the, the video was how to build a practice routine, which is our right. bag, right? Yeah, exactly. Which, and we've talked about that too. And he added some things in there that I, I don't think, essentially he was, he was a little more specific, you know, in terms of exercises and scales and chords and uh, sight reading and theory and writing and improv and ear training. I have these in my notes, so that's, <laughs> I do well, remember it off the top of my head. So it is eight. Um, <clears throat> but essentially I, I, I really liked that, uh, how he kind of broke that up and it got me thinking a little bit, yeah, you know, like I need to work on some of these things. So for example, ear training though, instead of just trying to identify intervals, I, I thought to myself like, hey, I need to work on my transcription skills. So, or I already have been. A few weeks ago I mentioned um, I've been working on transcribing Neely Brosh's adaptable creatures for a couple of students. So that's been fun and really hard. So, <laughs> um, but then uh, I started taking lessons with another acquaintance of the show, Christophe Godin. So, go back and listen to that episode because he's absolutely phenomenal guest, absolutely phenomenal guitar player. And I just started taking uh, lessons with him and he gave me a bunch of exercises and uh, writing exercises to work on. And we talked a little bit about playing like Alan Holdsworth. So I've got my hands full both literally and figuratively when it comes to things to work on in the interim. But anyway, cool. That's me. Now, I'm pretty sure you have something along similar lines in terms of the music is when practice categories. Yeah. Um, so shout out to our favorite Frenchman, Christophe Godin. Uh, so cool. I, 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 I'm afraid that, you know, if he wasn't so nice, I'd, I, you know, I, I'd approach him for a lesson, but he is just a monster uh, in <laughs> like jazz and fusion. And he's the nicest man in the world. But I'd still be a bit intimidated. I'll, I'm not going to rule it out, though. What have, I been, what have I been working on? So, yes, I was very... This video by Music Is Win, um, we'll post it, we'll tweet it, uh, was really, I don't know, it was really inspiring because, you know, it's so overwhelming to when you sit down, you're like, how do I, what, how do I practice? You know, it's a big it's a running theme, a running gag in our 33 episodes. 
Right. And I found that was pretty concise. So what I did was on my Evernote, I created a new folder called uh, a new notebook called guitar practice. And I created new notes in those categories. You can find them uh, on the, on the video. And then I've basically been stockpiling resources to fit into those things I want to learn under those categories. Mm. And then basically taking a different resource uh, every day. What I like about his, um, his scheduling thing is that you eventually get to everything. You know, you, you do, if you have, you know, six, uh, you have 90 minutes. So you break that into six 15 minute blocks and then you will do, you know, six different things. But then the next day, if you're doing the same amount of time, you have to do six things, but two of them have to be different, but you have to, you, you can't ignore one aspect of it uh, for more than one day. Uh, he explains it so much better than I just did. Uh, right. So I, I really like that. But one of the things I've been working on in particular is um, because I bought a guitar here for uh, $4. Um, <laughs> yes, uh, it's got a big oh old crack down the back. But I bought a guitar off an immigrating yank uh, for no. four dollars, and <laughs> it's uh, it's it works it works fine. Right. Um, but I, I I I'd love to be learning some electric, but instead I've had to kind of break it down to what I can do. So I've been doing kind of intervals and triads, but also doing a bit of flat picking as well, uh, learning Blackberry Blossom and a few other kind of bluegrass standards. But like we've said before, I'm just taking you know, I've made a list of eight songs. I'm going to take it one at a time and break it down piece by piece, baby steps, uh, you know, coming back to Ryan Kershaw's thing of breaking everything down, mm. uh, friend of the show. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of what I've been working on, but what have you been listening to? Oh man. Um, so this is, this is kind of funny. Mostly, honestly, Christmas tunes. So jazzy Christmas <laughs> tunes. So, and you can see my it, substitutions. Yeah, exactly. Just because I had to, I had to play uh, a Christmas gig, and this was learn about uh, whatever it was, thirty tunes in a week or something, which is nothing compared to you know having to learn forty tunes in a day. But whatever, um, I, I did, I did manage to to get through it, and that was great. But it, it was a lot of time with like Barney Kessel records, and you know. Joe Pass and stuff like that, just wherever I, whatever I needed to find to sort of get something for what I had to play. Um, and it went off fine. It was, it was all right. But that's, to, to tell you the truth, like, I've been listening to Christmas music, <laughs> like, all week. But that's, yeah, that's, that's been the big thing. So, but I'll, I'll, I don't know, I'm eager to kind of get back to some other things, explore some some more music-y things, I guess. Not, I, not that that's not musical, I guess. Whatever. I don't know. Christmas music isn't music. <laughs> I'm just picturing you practicing. I'm just picturing you practicing that uh, opening lick to "Rocking Around the Christmas Tree" just over and over and over. Oh, again. we did. Run, we did "Run Run Rudolph." So. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> Do you know who does a cover of that? Who? Lemmy. Who? Lemmy. Oh. <laughs> in the in the documentary about it you can see him like just in a studio just belting it out oh and, man that's funny yeah, as part of, yeah it's part of some like chuck berry thing chuck berry yeah, tribute. That intro riff is almost it's really similar to J the johnny b good riff at the very beginning so that's, that's, there you go you learn one you got the other it's yeah just a, just shifted down two frets i think <laughs> yeah ah rock and roll <laughs> 
Brilliant. Brilliant. And now what about you, man? So you've, you've had a week here or that you've been settled in your, your place. Is it a week that you've been settled in your place over there? Uh, just, just over, just over two weeks actually. Okay. But like getting settled is, you know, you could be here for six months and not really be settled because it's such a culture shock. But guitar wise, I have, well, you've know, been listening to a few things. I've basically been trying to make a big plan for what I want to achieve in 2018 guitar wise. So I've just basically been, you know, trying to listen to as much as possible and figure out what kind of style my playing wants to go down. Mm-hmm. And I might, I'm one thing I am considering for 2018 is getting one of uh, Jim Little's lesson packs. Uh, he has Ooh. lesson packs on his website. We talked about it in our interview with him. Subscribing for what that's yeah. yeah. Oh man, you should. Uh, so what he does on his, his website is you can buy individual courses for $50 or if you pay $50 a month, you have unlimited access to all the courses. So I'm kind of torn. I might get one of the courses and then see if I want to become a member. But one of the lesson packs he has is on Brent Mason, who I didn't really know anything about. Oh gosh, yeah. So I found his you know, highest rated album, which is called Smoking Section, I believe. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Oh I was like, I, I picked a random track and I was like, this is jazz. It's, it's, it's like, it's jazz playing. And then I could see, oh wait, no, he's just taking, you know, it's, it's just guitar. It's just like a bit of country here, a bit of blues here, a bit of jazz there. I love it. I, I think for transcription, it would be a really, really beneficial thing to sit down and work with. Oh my gosh. Yeah, absolutely. When I, I had the opportunity to see him twice when I was in Nashville, when I was living there and both times it was just like, I was front row. Like I, <laughs> I made sure I was front row and it was just, he puts on a clinic, man. It was just, Oh, and, and great performer. Great guy. I got to talk to him afterwards at one of the shows and it's just like, Oh, uh, <laughs> we're sure officially adding Brent Mason to the mantelpiece of people that John has met yeah. because he lives in America and they all live there. <laughs> I'm, I'm Screw just, you, John. I'll, I'll keep name dropping. I'll, I'll do my best to make sure that we keep name dropping here. So, but uh, that's, that's yeah, what this anyway. podcast is for, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And to meet, you know, your own guitar heroes. So anyway, yeah. Bad. Friends, please, we are so grateful for all of your, uh, you know, your comments and your likes on Facebook. And if you could maybe take, you know, as a special Christmas present to John and I, if you could even go onto your iTunes account and leave us a five star, if you want to give us a five star, if you want to give us some feedback, we'd happily respond to that. Any ratings or reviews, it should take you like two minutes. And there's only so much time that we can pose as fake people online and give ourselves good reviews. <laughs> right. I think iTunes actually blocks you from doing that. Urgh. But um, they Jobs? Were... <laughs> but yeah, thanks, thanks to everyone who has uh, posted reviews and who's liked the page. We've got, like I said before, we've got a whole bunch of new likes and subscribes and listens. We really appreciate all of it. Really appreciate you guys. And so stay tuned for next week. We've got Gretchen men coming up and other exciting things as always, you know, you get to, she was lovely. She was like super interesting and just got, got a lot out of it. Just so many, such a, I don't know, kind of a different perspective of approaching music itself. Yeah. She was fantastic. So de- definitely stay, stay tuned, I guess, you know, <laughs> for next week. <laughs> However, yes, however that works with a podcast, I guess. Don't unsubscribe. That's, that's what it means. Yeah. And then tell two friends, you know, do that. So we're mm-hmm. on all the, all the social media stuff. Follow us on Twitter. Like us on the face page. 
And uh, we've got our YouTube channel up now. If that is a preferred listening platform for you, or if it's easier to get that at work, whatever. Do yep. that. We are there. We're everywhere that you need to be. And yeah, that's, that's what we do. You're rambling now, John. I am. Ah, I've got no direction. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Goodbye, friends. See you next week. Stay sharp.